Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Ottawa police, you are being told to leave. You will be arrested if you do not leave. Taking back the capital. We will work day and night until this is completed. Police move in to end the anti-mandate occupation. A calculated attack on coastal gas link. We certainly don't, as Wet'suwet'en people, condone this kind of action. The shocking damage and the investigation into who was behind this. And getting back to business in downtown Vancouver. Certainly we are starting to welcome more and more visitors. How it's hoped the easing of restrictions will revitalize the core. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. It's been a tense day in Ottawa. You're looking at a live shot of the capital city. Police have been slowly gaining ground all day, pushing back and arresting convoy protesters who've been entrenched in the downtown core for three weeks now. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Ottawa police, with the assistance of officers from across Canada, have spent the day clearing out the so-called Freedom Convoy that's been encamped for 22 days in the nation's capital. As Paul Johnson reports, while it began as a largely peaceful operation, as the day has gone on, the crowd has changed. This is Constable Mark from the Ottawa police. You must leave the area immediately or face to be arrested. Friday was a pivotal day both for the city of Ottawa and the nation. She was correct up until the point the Prime Minister triggered the Emergency Measures Act. Now the remaining protesters and those who enable them are breaking the law and subject to an arrest operation that by Friday morning had gathered enough force to proceed methodically and intends to be unstoppable. We're in control of the situation on the ground and continue to push forward to clear our streets. Now operating under a unified command composed of Ottawa police, provincial police, Mounties and officers seconded from local departments across the country. Police began moving in late Thursday night, establishing dozens of checkpoints and denying entry to those who don't live and work in the city's downtown. As the protest groups become isolated, police are arresting key leaders and the most troublesome and beginning the process of towing away the big rigs. This methodical and well-resourced plan will take time and we are here to see it through to a safe ending. One of the most striking images to emerge from Friday's operation was the view from above revealing the shocking scope of what has happened in our nation's capital and the measures being taken to deal with it. At one point, mounted officers could be seen in what appeared to be a modern-day cavalry charge. Were it not for the maple leaf flags here and there in the crowd, you'd be right to wonder what country you were looking at. Paul Johnson, Global News.
There is widespread condemnation tonight of the violent attack on a coastal gas link pipeline worksite near Houston, including from the local First Nation. As Neetu Garcha reports, we are getting a better picture of just how dangerous and terrifying it was for the company's employees and police officers, one of whom was injured. We certainly don't, as Wet'suwet'en people, condone this kind of action. Wet'suwet'en hereditary leader Wei Halite is concerned after this happened at the site of the coastal gas link pipeline near Houston, B.C., a calculated and organized violent attack, say RCMP. This is a very disheartening message that uh, the nation is receiving from a really a rogue uh, group of people who want to fulfill their own agendas. Officers were called just after midnight Thursday after reports about 20 people, some of them armed with axes, attacked security guards, smashed vehicle windows and blocked the only access road with downed trees, fires and boards with spikes. I'm led to believe that there were torches thrown at their vehicles, thrown in the beds of their pickup trucks. Uh, axes were used to damage the vehicles while employees were sitting inside. Windows broken. Coastal GasLink releasing these security footage images of the masked suspects saying they disabled other surveillance cameras and used large on-site machinery to damage buildings. The cost is estimated to be in the millions. Nine night shift workers were victims of the attack, all shaken but managed to avoid injury, say police. We are going to find out who did this. This is a, a criminal act uh, against people, against property. Uh, it is reprehensible. And uh, we completely condemn it and those who committed this heinous crime. Investigators have not linked this violence to the largely peaceful anti-pipeline protests that have been subjects of national debate and demonstrations. Our feeling is that these are people from outside of province. Uh, we would like them to go home and uh, leave the decision-making of these projects up to the Wet'suwet'en people. We don't need their help. In a statement, the company said our people were terrorized during this violent incident, adding, we appreciate the outpouring of support for our workers, including the labor unions, and stand together in condemning these actions. And that when the police investigation is finished, work will continue on the pipeline, now 60% complete, because the construction is lawful. What happened Thursday is not. Neetu Garcha, Global News. The Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project is running behind schedule and billions over budget. The controversial oil pipeline was supposed to be finished this year, but is now on track for completion in late 2023. The cost has now soared to an estimated $21.4 billion. When Ottawa bought the pipeline project four years ago for $4.4 billion, the estimated cost of construction was pegged at $7.4 billion. The increased cost and delays are being blamed on the COVID-19 pandemic and the catastrophic November flooding in B.C. Once it is built, the Trans Mountain expansion will nearly triple the capacity of the 1,150-kilometer pipeline, shipping almost 900,000 barrels per day from Alberta to a terminal in Burnaby for export overseas. Another sign that life is starting to return to normal in B.C. and we will continue to live with the COVID-19 virus. Many employees have been working from home throughout the pandemic, but now the provincial health officer has amended her order and is supporting employers bringing workers back into the workplace. Richard Zussman has more. A hockey game is something you may attend a few times a year, a restaurant maybe once a month, maybe a little more, but work 
That's five days a week. As we're opening up in other areas of our, our lives, it's important to look at how do we do that in the workplace. The province announcing this week employers are no longer required to provide virtual or at-home options for employees, meaning one of the most seismic COVID shifts could be on the way. Thousands of thousands of workers back in the workplace. These are all important things that uh, we, we need to be mindful of as we continue this transition into, uh, into um, learning how we're going to live with yet another serious respiratory illness. With so many empty offices through the pandemic, employers are grappling with when they will require workers to come back. And that's largely going to be something not determined by health rules, but by conversations between the employer and the employee. Employees don't really have much by way of rights in this situation. Um, an employer has the sole right to determine where an employee is going to perform their work. Employers are required to have COVID safety plans. This could include a mask mandate, but are not required to require employees to be vaccinated against COVID. There is one legal caveat employees should be aware of, a duty to accommodate. If you've sort of rearranged your life over the last two years to accommodate a different childcare arrangement and you're going to need that time to find alternate childcare or you might need to shift your hours uh, and there's no other alternative available to you, your employer is going to be legally required to work with you on that. Employers also need to accommodate workers if they feel unsafe in the workplace, but beyond that aren't required to be sympathetic. Although in a competitive workplace, a little compassion could go a long way. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And let's take a look now at our latest COVID-19 numbers. The downward trend for hospitalizations continues in this province with 733 patients in hospital, 113 of them in the ICU. There have been five more deaths from complications of the virus and we have 692 confirmed new cases. Well, with more people going back to the office and gathering restrictions being lifted, there may finally be some light at the end of the tunnel for struggling downtown businesses. The city's core has been a very different place these past two years. But as Rumina Dea reports, its hope to come back is imminent. One last sound check before the resurrection. We're still alive. And I'm, I'm really, I think that from the bottom of my heart. Why is it emotional for you? Because I love this. I love it. DJ and business owner Hugo Cachete so ready to welcome home loyal customers after two years of staring at an empty dance floor. I think it was too much. It was two years and uh, we need a break. Business annihilated for bars and restaurants during the pandemic, returning to full capacity epic. The phone's been ringing off the hook We've always, and reservations online have been coming faster than they have in the last six months probably. Yeah, I can see you here. Theaters, concerts, Canucks games and convention center events are back. No restrictions on numbers. 
the Fan Expo, expecting thousands of people this weekend. This is fantastic exposure for them. Uh, they started up just when COVID was coming out and shutting the world down. The easing of restrictions equals more life on the streets. Stores in downtown Vancouver already witnessing a change. We're so happy to have people back into the store during the pandemic and during the, like, the really shut down days. Um, and then once we were able to reopen, we were by appointment only. Vaccine passports and masks still mandatory. The province cautious given COVID-related hospitalizations and deaths are still high. It's been a bit like uh, the small town in Footloose where there's been no dancing allowed for the last uh, nearly two years. It'll be good for people to be able to get out, uh, have a good time and, and come downtown and experience downtown in the way that they're used to. Cachete forever grateful to his customers for not giving up on him. He's promising a night to remember. The main thing for me is that people have fun and they enjoy themselves. Romina Dea, Global News. All right, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria now with more on where we are heading in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Obviously, things are looking up, Keith, and hopefully it will stay that way through the spring and summer. But then fall comes and that's uh, respiratory illness season again. Yes, and today Dr. Teresa Tam, the federal uh, chief public health officer, said basically Omicron has peaked. We're on the downward slide now with, with the number of cases, and that is reflected out here in B.C. with the positivity rate continuing to decline. Hopefully it continues to decline right through the fall. Here's what we're looking at in terms of positivity rates in various parts of the, of the province. Uh, B.C., just a little south of 12%. That's a drop of almost f uh, five percentage points in a little more than a week, and the trend is reflected right across the, uh, the rest of the province. Fraser in Vancouver Coastal, now below 10% of the cases coming back positive. The interior, the island, and the north, still very high, but they're dropping a lot on a daily basis as well. So all trends are pointing to a much more healthier and open summer. The question is, what about the fall? Dr. Henry today is saying she does not envision bringing back those tough restrictions, even though we have high numbers, because we have so much immunity. Here's Dr. Henry. I don't believe we'll need to go back to those broad societal measures that we've had to take on and off over the last two years. I think we've got that level of immunity now and that knowledge and understanding, more tools that we can use um, that will help us uh, avoid some of those major things that cause so much downstream impacts themselves. So again, that's uh, that's great news. Again, we probably will continue to see uh, COVID-19 cases through the fall, but nowhere near the numbers we saw before and nowhere near the number of hospitalizations. And again, as Dr. Henry says, unless something extraordinary happens, we're not going to see these restrictions be imposed again. Let's hope something extraordinary doesn't happen, but you never know. All right, yeah. thanks for that, Keith. The Oliver woman captured on video attacking high school students with a racist anti-vaccine rant has now apologized. Right, in this country. Silke Schultz has already been fined $2,300 under the Access to Services COVID-19 Vaccination Act, and she could face further charges. In a, in a letter, Schultz says her words, tone, and actions were completely inappropriate, do not convey her true feelings, and should never have been used. Schultz goes on to say, I do not have any ill feelings about any race. I cannot take back the mean and awful things I said to the minors at the school. The altercation happened February 12th when a number of adults showed up at Southern Okanagan Secondary School to support an anti-mask walkout that involved a handful of students. Renting a home in Vancouver is becoming even more challenging. 
New figures show vacancies dropping and rents rising. Who's most at risk of being squeezed out in the ever-tightening market? That's next on the News Hour. Marketplace is a very popular tool to buy and sell items. And now the social media buy and sell site is becoming an easy target for scammers. That's still to come on the news hour. Plus, three adorable kittens found in very troubling circumstances later. Right now, though, with the possibility of buying a home out of reach for a growing number of people in Metro Vancouver, a new report paints a bleak picture for renters as well. As Kristen Robinson reports, the biggest problem is a familiar one, lack of supply. As demand grows faster than supply, rentals are increasingly a tall order. CMHC data shows Vancouver's rental vacancy rate decreased from 2.6% in 2020 to 1.2% in 2021, with only 1 in 1,000 units affordable to those with the lowest 20% of incomes. These are challenges that uh, have been developing over the past few years or even decades. The average rent for a purpose-built two-bedroom unit in the city is just over $1,800 a month, up 2.4%. Renters will pay just under $1,600, a 3.1% increase in Victoria, where the vacancy rate declined from 2.2% in 2020 to 1% last year. On the condo rental market, there's a less than 1% vacancy rate in Vancouver, where the average two-bedroom rent is almost $2,500 a month. And what you're really seeing is a snap back of the market to conditions more like in 2019. It used to be that when one couldn't own, at least one could rent, that that becomes increasingly much more difficult in, in very specific places like the city of Vancouver. As people start traveling again, the SFU City Program Director says short-term rentals are also pulling stock out of the rental market. If rental becomes really, really tight, uh, I think we're inevitably going to be facing also a labor pressure in terms of uh, how, where, where are the workers going to live in, in terms of building forward towards the recovery. Strong government policy is needed, he says, to combat the decline in the rental housing pool. Frankly, it's less risky and more uh, profitable to build condos. Landlord BC believes low vacancy rates will continue as long as obstacles to new rental homes persist in many municipalities. Whenever you start talking about building market rental housing, it's just a, a complete pushback or, or there's all these demands in terms of inclusionary zoning and on and on and on that just uh, makes it, uh, uh, doesn't make, it makes it unfeasible to build it. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In the Okanagan, a Vernon nonprofit society says it's seeing more families with kids in need of help finding a place to live. The organization says it currently has a dozen families living in hotel rooms. Global's Megan Turcado has more. <laughs> Since last October, Christine and her kids have been calling a Vernon motel home. The biggest thing that I find is it just it's really hard not having your own your own area. The mother of five says if it wasn't for the motel room, her family would like couch surfing because competition for affordable rentals is stiff. There would be like lineups of people. Prices were astronomical. A local nonprofit society says Christine's family is one of 12 Vernon families with 26 children. The society currently has set up in hotel rooms. 
because the families can't find anywhere else to live. It's becoming a very much a rich and a poor. It's not um, like middle class people like myself who, who, you know, have worked really hard. The not-for-profit says two years ago, families weren't seeking assistance from its homeless services programs. It's not unique anymore. You know, we see families every single week that are unable to find places to rent. Housing stock availability is the number one reason that families are homeless. I feel for the families. Uh, there is a significant imbalance between supply and demand for housing right now. Vernon's mayor says new affordable rental buildings are under construction in Vernon right now, but admits that likely won't be enough to meet demand. So the city is working to attract more provincial help with affordable housing. We've doubled the staff in current planning. Uh, things are moving quicker than they were in the past. So far, the changes have not been enough to help families like Christine's. She's now considering moving out of the province, but that would mean leaving a lot behind. My oldest is going to be 17 next week, and he has gone from kindergarten to grade 11 here. The lack of available housing here in Vernon, leaving some families with limited choices. Megan Turcato, Global News, Vernon. Coming up, students walk out. Sexual assault allegations. No Sexual assault allegations prompt protest at Kelowna High Schools. Also ahead, a warning for rideshare drivers after a series of carjackings in Burnaby. Good evening. Crews are on scene to a rollover crash here in Delta, southbound on Highway 91, right at the 72nd overpass. Traffic is down to just a single lane in both directions. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Delta. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. North Cowich and Duncan RCMP are releasing new photos and word of a new vehicle linked to a missing father and daughter. Jesse and Violet Bennett were first reported missing back on January 23rd when Violet was not returned to her mother's custody. Police now releasing this image of Violet and a distinctive coat she may be wearing. It's also believed Jesse Bennett has switched vehicles and is now driving a 2001 black Dodge Dakota pickup with a white canopy. If you see Jesse Jesse or Violet Bennett, you are asked to call police. Burnaby RCMP are warning rideshare drivers and the public after a recent string of armed carjackings that investigators say are linked. Three of the four incidents targeted drivers from an unregulated Chinese language ridesharing app. No one was hurt. The first carjacking happened last Sunday on Spruce Street between Canada Way and Royal Oak Avenue when police say two suspects brandished a knife while stealing the vehicle. Two similar incidents happened Tuesday, including one that involved a gun and another on Thursday. The suspects in the first incident are described as black male teenagers. The sole suspect in the other three is described as a thin black male in his 20s. Students at three high schools in the Okanagan staged protests this week claiming the district isn't doing enough to address allegations of sexual assault. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich has more, including what they want to see happen. Protect us! Protect us! With placards and loud voices, dozens of students, both female and male, marched together outside of Kelowna Senior Secondary School. No means no! No means no! 
Thursday's protest calling on the school district to strengthen its response to complaints of sexual assault. Today I'm protesting because I want SD23 to make their schools safe. This student, whose identity we are protecting, says they were sexually assaulted, making a complaint last November. I came forward to the police, to the school, and they did nothing until two other girls came forward. And it took those two other girls for them to actually care and actually start doing something about it. The KSS protest follows one at Mount Bouchery Secondary School earlier in the week. About 50 students there supporting a peer who was allegedly assaulted by another student. They say little to no action was taken against the perpetrator. And a similar protest took place at Rutland Senior Secondary this week as well. I want people who have assaulted various people at our schools to be held accountable. This student says they too were assaulted, adding they believe the school district needs to do more to support victims. I would love to see rapists and abusers put in online school. They should not be in school with their victims. When asked about this week's school protest, School District 23 said it would not comment on specific claims or actions for the protection of all involved. But Superintendent Kevin Cardell did issue a statement saying the school district supports student voices that bring awareness to creating a culture of consent and that it continues to meet with concerned students to understand and support them. Cardall said the district has a protocol that was jointly developed with the Elizabeth Fry Society and the RCMP and that in every case action is taken and the allegation is reported to police. He also added that counseling and connections to outside agencies are also available. But the students say a lot more needs to be done. All these boys and girls, everybody that has raped somebody, it's being accepted in schools, which means when they go on into later life, they're going to think this is okay, and it's not. Each time a complaint of a sexual nature is made. I want to see things be dealt with the way they should be, instead of just brushing it under the rug and pretending like it didn't happen. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Kelowna. Coming up, confronting an ugly truth. The community has spoken loudly that indeed racism thrives, indeed anti-black oppression also thrives. A revealing report into what it's like to be black in B.C. Plus, a warning from VPD about fraudsters in Facebook Marketplace. Good evening. Still above this rollover crash in Delta that now has southbound traffic completely blocked on Highway 91 at 72nd. Uh, Technically completely blocked. You can still actually take this 72nd exit here and keep going straight back onto the highway. As a result, we're seeing a bit of a delay on the approach. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Delta. Vancouver police are warning about a Facebook marketplace scam that has claimed at least 50 victims and say they believe more people have been taken advantage of. The scams work like this. The suspect posts an item for sale on Facebook marketplace and then arranges a meeting with a potential buyer. Those buyers are then asked to make an e-transfer payment, but the would-be seller never shows up. Following one report to police, investigators raided a home in Surrey where they found documents linked to the scam, along with a loaded gun and other weapons. 
from this investigation and from this search warrant, uh, we were able to um, gather evidence that would make us believe that there are other victims. So that is is the purpose of um, me standing here today, is to uh, advise the public that this does happen. I know this might seem like common sense, but like I said, when we are desperate, we're desperate to help our kids or desperate to uh, get a product for our home, uh, sometimes we, we don't think and we just click that button too much or too quick. If you or someone you know has fallen victim to the scam, you are asked to report it to the police. A new report is putting the spotlight on systemic anti-black racism in this province and calling on the government to take action. Kamal Karmali has more on the troubling findings and where discrimination is being felt the most. It's a report that solidifies what members of BC's black community have known for a long time. It's just confirming what black people of African descent have been saying for years and years and years. Now, the findings by the African Art and Cultural Community Contributor Society is putting pressure on the province to address anti-black racism in BC. Now, the evidence is right in everybody's face. It is clear the community has spoken loudly that indeed racism thrives. The study took place over the span of six months. The group collected data from nearly 2,000 people across B.C. Most of them were persons of African descent. The report gauges the experiences of black people in nine sectors, including education, employment, public safety and inclusion. When it comes to education, 75 percent of respondents say they've experienced anti-black racism from school officials, teachers or fellow students, with 90 percent saying there was poor representation of black history in the curriculum. In the employment sector, 96% said racism was a problem in the workplace and 78% believed there was underrepresentation in leadership. For public safety, 70% said they felt targeted or concerned about their safety when dealing with police. And lastly, for inclusion, 25% of respondents said they don't feel welcomed in BC, not from an institutional perspective or a communal one. That is not fair. That is not supposed to be normalized. These are supposed to be people protecting us. The report has resulted in a wide array of recommendations across all sectors, but for this group, it all starts with acknowledgement. The broader British Columbia society should recognize that black people and persons of African descent are facing stereotypes, they are facing structural systemic injustices. The report will now get handed over to the province, where discussions will take place on potential policy changes. Kamal Karmali, Global News. Well, just four days away now to Pink Shirt Day, the national campaign to fight bullying. And this year's theme is Lift Each Other Up. And merchandise is now on sale at BC Branches of London Drugs, the retail sponsor of the event. And there are more ways than ever this year to show your support. Uh, this year new, there's bandanas, which you can see there for the, your, your pet, <laughs> a pet bandana. Um, and there's buttons that we have as well uh, and bracelets trying to help support, uh, you know, anti-bullying and get an end of uh, bullying throughout schools uh, for a more inclusive society as well. So, yeah, it's been it's been an amazing partnership. And you can buy Pink Shirt Day merchandise at all London drug stores or on their website or the Pink Shirt Day website. Just ahead, an adorable, if troubling, discovery on the downtown east side. A trio of tiny kittens, now in the care of the SPCA, how they had a very rough start to life. 
And later, something new to add to your Canucks collection, the meaning behind the Black History Month jersey. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Three kittens are alive today thanks to a good Samaritan. Take a look at these little guys. They were found, sadly, in a dumpster on the downtown east side. The trio are all underweight for their age and have suffered trauma. One has a broken pelvis and injuries to its face. They were all flea infested with internal parasites. Now, thankfully, they have received veterinarian care and are expected to make a full recovery. The kittens will be in the care of the BCSPCA for at least four weeks. The one with the most severe injuries will require ongoing x-rays and pain medication. Sweet little guys. Glad someone found them. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell with a look at our weekend weather forecast. Uh, Yvonne, uh, hoping for maybe a little bit of sunshine this long weekend? Yeah, so it's going to be a soggy start, a bit of a blip for the beginning of the long weekend, but it is going to improve, and I'll have more coming up. First, we need to get through tomorrow. Overnight tonight, we'll start to see some rain developing, soggy, rainfall through the day. Temperatures will be up to 7 degrees, and it should start to taper off with just a few isolated showers as we get in towards the evening. The bulk of the moisture along the south coast, so overnight through the morning, can continuing through the day. Now we are going to be seeing snow in a significant amount, especially for traveling along the mountain passes. Snowfall warning has been issued along the Coquihalla, Kootenay and Rogers Pass with anywhere between 20 and up to 25 centimeters possible. Allison Pass between 10 and 20. And lesser amounts, sea to sky could see that change over to rain with up to two centimeters. Also, a special weather statement has been issued. Snow squalls potentially that will intensify. What we're seeing is these pockets of heavy snowfall that could bring in heavy snow localized for many areas into the southern interior and the timeline for that will be Saturday night through Sunday as we get in towards the noon hour. So a heads up, we could see localized some heavy snowfall and that will develop towards the evening hours intensify and then continue on Sunday. And for much of the southern interior, if you're traveling, check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions because we are looking at a wintry mix for many of the areas. Now the northeastern corners of the province also a 77. Areas just north of the Fort Nelson River will also look at a significant amount of snow this evening continuing in towards Sunday morning. 10 and up to 20 centimeters is possible. Central interior could see a few flurries and then changing over to that chance for some showers and it's the southern interior so all areas could see that potential for some snow squalls heavier pockets of snow Saturday night leading into Sunday. Along the south coast though it is going to stay as rain a soggy start to our long weekend so far. It should taper off towards the evening and then improving both Sunday Monday dry conditions, but then chilly as we get in towards next week. Highs on Monday for Family Day will bump up to six degrees. All right, tonight's weather window, fantastic, gorgeous shot that was captured in Vernon from Macy. Sophie? Guys on fire. Gorgeous. Thank you very much, Siobhan. All right, everyone's in their places now. Yes. A little Squire. shuffle. The choir's on the couch. He's not out of breath. No, I'm not, actually. No cardio I got here early. Okay. Excellent. I watched the weather forecast. I enjoyed the whole thing. Oh, nice. You're all relaxed. (laughs) Yes, I am. For Friday. What do you have for us? Well, after that uh, win last night, the Canucks are now three points out of a playoff spot. You know, we're we're not nowhere near the top of the mountain at this point, but at least we can see the cliffs. Now, a lot more wins are needed, but under Bruce Boudreaux, who has now coached the Canucks for 25 games, they are getting... A lot of the Wednesday. Also to come tonight, satellite debris.
Is it sort of like a milestone for Bruce Boudreaux-ish? Well, 25 is a nice round number. Yeah, but it's a quarter there's century a lot more or something. Go. Well, not quite, but yeah. But it, it's a good comparison number because, as I'll tell you in a second, that's what Travis Green coached this year. 25, mm-hmm. Bruce got 25. And last night's 5-4 overtime win against San Jose wasn't pretty. The Canucks allowed a tying goal by Alexander Barabanov with half a second left. But it was, as we just said, the 25th game the Canucks have played under Bruce Boudreaux. Travis Green coached the first 25 games of the season. And the difference in their records is rather stark, considering they both basically have coached the same players this season. But you can see right here, look at the records. Look at the percentage. 680 for Boudreaux, 360 for Green. Now, of course, the big difference. Special teams so much better under Bruce Boudreaux. But the other thing to remember is, unlike Travis Green, Bruce Boudreaux had to go through a lot of spells where he was missing key players because of COVID. Green didn't have that issue that Boudreaux had. Now, the thing that killed the Travis Green coach Vancouver Canucks this season was basically a terrible penalty kill. And last night, that penalty kill against San Jose looked a little green-like. Two goals and three chances for the Sharks. Uh, the Canucks didn't score on their power play at all. You go through fits and starts on, on penalty killing. Uh, we were really good for a long time, and then the last two games we've allowed four goals. Hopefully that will end and we'll get back to it. I mean, our numbers are never going to look good because they were so bad to start with. But, I mean, if we can get our numbers down and uh, get back to where we were even a week ago in the penalty killing, I'll be very happy. And when the Canucks host Calgary uh, next Thursday, they'll celebrate Black History Month with some special warm-up jerseys like they did with uh, Lunar New Year, and here's what they look like. Designed by Jason Bempong, uh, combine the colors black and yellow and green and red in the design. It looks great. And partial proceeds from these jerseys, which will be auctioned off, will be donated to BC Black History Awareness Society. Thank you for uh, modeling those, Elias Pedersen. They look good. Uh, so often last season when the Vancouver Whitecaps scored, Christian Dahomey always seemed to be in the picture. If he wasn't scoring the goals himself, he was a big part of teammates like, say, Brian White filling the net. Tybert looking forward for Dahomey. The flag stays down. He's through on goal, and the Whitecaps have the lead. Christian Dahomey has quickly become one of the Whitecaps' key offensive pieces. In just his second MLS season, the 28-year-old Colombian scored 10 goals, just two behind team leader Brian White. He also added five assists, using his creativity and speed to help bring the Whitecaps' attack to life, especially in the second half of the season. Dahomey, it's a good ball! One of the biggest things I think is just his desire. I think he's one of the guys that no matter what is pushing all the guys around him. And, you know, it's great for us when we're down, when we're winning. He's just always continuing to push everyone. So having him out there, he's a leader on the field. And obviously his quality speaks for itself. It's just been great to play with him. He's one of the leaders of the group. He's basically our vice captain. So his English became much better in these two years. So he's actually a guy that uh, is very respected and, uh, and also is someone who pushes the other guys. Dahomey was successful mostly as a striker last year, but this season he's been moved to the wingback position, giving the Caps more speed on the flanks. But it also comes with more responsibility defensively. It speaks to Dahomey's all-around game and his willingness to be a key part of this Whitecaps team in whatever role is asked of him. 
He, he likes a lot being here. He fits a lot uh, with the with the group, and uh, I think he embodies all the culture that we want to bring here. So, uh, playing with the team, uh, uh, being uh, uh, trying to be a winner every time, and uh, work hard. He's also the Whitecaps' designated penalty shooter, a job that does require a certain mindset. But that's not all. I can have the right mindset taking penalty, but I would miss anyway. <laughs> so you need to you need to have quality, but of course you need also to to be kind of cool. And Dahomey scores to tie it up for Vancouver. Well, Canada is now third in overall medals at the Olympics. Yesterday. BC's Cassie Sharp won a silver medal in the uh, women's ski halfpipe, her second career Olympic medal. She actually won the same event four years ago. The uh, four golds won by Canada, we haven't been that low in gold medals since the 90s, but we do have 24 overall. And Canada's men's 4x100 relay team from last summer's Olympic Games will be... uh, well, they were led by Andre de Grasse. That's why you see his picture. They'll soon be changing their medals from bronze and the silver. Now, they finished third in the final, but Great Britain, which finished second, was disqualified because one of their athletes had a doping violation. So they go to last place. Everybody moves up one, so Canada is now second. And included in that team was Jerome Blake, who spent a lot of time training in B.C., in Kelowna, and in Coquitlam and Burnaby over the years. So do they actually have to... Give back the bronze I, I get medals? A, I, I, how does that work? Do they have to FedEx them to the IOC and then they send them the silver medals and I guess Great Britain has to give theirs back? There's a lot mm. of moving parts here. Seems complicated. But eventually they will get their silver medals. Very good. Yes. All right. Satellite debris is next. Stick around. <laughs> it's a good thing this follows the snow report because it's very appropriate. You ski? You don't ski square, do you? No. Okay. No, it's too cold. Um, <laughs> I've... I, 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 I really appreciate people who can, and I love showing their highlights and watching them, but myself, no, it's too <laughs> cold. Uh, but this is uh, somebody I want to show you. We've actually had him on before. Uh, Kandi Tovek, who's one of the great extreme and free skiers in the world. And now this is clearly not the bunny hill. So this is in Switzerland the other day. So he decided to take his friend who had a camera with him, and they started doing this kind of stuff. Yep, I mean, if there's a rock in the middle of it, just do the backflip jump, no problem. That's got to be difficult. So he's clearly done this run before, I hope. You would think. But here's the best part, because if there happens to be a house in your way, just build a ramp so you can double backflip over said house. Totally. Now... We, we determined Yvonne is an expert skier. Yeah, just like that. Just like that <laughs> yeah. in Switzerland where I'm from, or my family's from. Have you done that before? No, oh. that's not even a double black. That's beyond. <laughs> not me, uncategorized. Double black diamonds of cheese. Yeah. I thought it was. That's an old joke, and it's not very good. Okay, but let's uh, look at some um, Super Bowl commercials we didn't get a chance to show you on Monday. This one... Uh, featuring two people that you know, right, Sophie? Well, I saw them making out once at a bar in New York. <laughs> wow. Like, you know really them. hot and heavy. If you had taken a photo, you probably could have made a hundred grand somewhere. You could have been hey, babe, check this out. Alexa? It's game day. Streaming football on Prime Video. Closing blinds. Chilling rosé. Rosé? Well, it's an afternoon game. Mm. It's like she can read your mind. Read your mind. mind. I love that we get to sleep in. Mm. Ordering fresh mint mouthwash. 
extra strength. I'm thinking I should get a spray tan, you know, because that's on Wednesday. Activating blender. Funerals on Monday. But what about the gold, Papa? Can't you see the treasure all along? It was here. Love the eye patch. It's. When does the show open? March 8th. Setting reminder to fake your own death on March 8th. Not uh. What the Can you love scenes with hot guys? Is that fun or is that like the worst? It's the worst. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Mm. <laughs> this bread is delicious. Oh, good. Did you make it? Yes, uh, it's from my Gammy's recipe. Announcement. Gammy is short for she bought it at Whole Foods. Announcement. Colin left the oysters in the car for five hours. It's probably better Alexa can't read your mind. Bad idea. Off the game. Okay, uh, two more. Uh, I don't even have time to tell you what they are, so here they are. Hey, Kevin. Ken. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? Eating mixed nuts. This is how you eat nuts? Mixing them all together and shoving them in your mouth like an intermittent fasting squirrel? How do you eat nuts? One at a time, like a regular person. I teach you that in medical school? Kindergarten, actually. Oh, you met the height requirement? Okay, you know. They're called mixed nuts. It tells you how to eat them right on the can. Well, all my little babies deserve respect one by one. I get what's going on here, Ken. You like to eat one nut at a time because that's all your little child hand can hold. I mean, look at that cashew. It looks like a banana in your hand. My body prefers its protein at a controlled pace, unlike your big, dumb muscles. Thank you? One. All. One. All. One. But it doesn't want to do that because they're mixed now. What is one? Yeah, I'm married. Doesn't matter. You do that for me? Really? Yeah, I'd like that. Who are you talking to? Uh, it's Jake from State Farm. Sounds like a really good deal. Jake from State Farm at 3 in the morning? Who is this? It's, it's Jake from State Farm. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Uh, khakis? Hey, do they ever ask you what you're wearing? Uh, yeah. Red sweater, button-down shirt. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There you go. That's all the time we have. Have a great family day weekend, everyone. Good night.